Another week in the books. This is your host, Rob Morris. You listen to the Rims and Nets podcast. So this week we got a we got a we got a stack show. I mean everything going on is starting to get real crazy and real wacky in the next few days as free agency will be starting um on Sunday, six PM. Um I'm recording this on on a Thursday night. Which I'll try to record every episode on Wednesday or Thursday every week. Depending on the schedule, permitting. But usually it's mostly going to be Wednesday or Thursday. Check out the upload on Friday on where you can find podcasts. Um, Right now I'm on Podbean as well as I'm on Stitcher. Um, Trying to get onto iTunes as well within the upcoming weeks. So stay tuned for that. Um, like I said, it's going to be interesting um, coming weeks. Like I said, you got free agency coming up. You got uh, Summer League coming up. Um, get to see how, you know, the Rickies play out on their teams. Um, as we watched the draft last week, we had a, a draft review show. Um, got you um, pretty much covered on all the prospects and their abilities and whatnot and it was interesting, interesting night, like I expected. A lot of trades, a lot of, a lot of small trades, like they, you know, teams picking for other teams, and you know, particularly in the second round, it seemed like every pick in the second round was traded for another team to be picking for another team. It was really wacky, but that's pretty much the usual for the NBA draft. Um, not a lot of major trades during the night. Not a lot of. You know, I remember one year you had Jimmy Butler get traded on draft night. Um, nothing like that happened. It was just mostly teams picking for other teams. You know, really minor trades. I probably, I mean, the only probably, you know, kind of probably the biggest trade that actually kind of happened was in, you know, evolving the Celtics with uh, Aaron Baines getting shipped out to the Suns for um, a first round draft pick later that night which ended up turning into a draft pick the the following year so Danny Ainge was able to get extra pick by trading that pick to the Sixers and then eventually he used that pick to trade for him uh trade Aaron Baines to the Suns so it was, it was I mean Danny Ainge was probably the one guy that was really wheeling and dealing he was trading trading um picks to trade down in the draft and he was able to get Probably the players that he wanted to just by trading down and able to uh, accumulate an extra asset out of, out of the whole thing. So I thought that was pretty good from Danny Danny Ainge to get all that done and still get the players he wanted. Um, so, yeah, the Celtics, they, they selected uh, with their first pick, Romeo Langford. Um, the second pick in the first round they got, Grant Williams out of Tennessee. So, I mean, when I seen that pick, I was a little frustrated. I was like, why are you going after an undersized big? But, yeah, this kid might might grow on me. I've seen the highlights, and he kind of would be kind of like an utility player, can do a lot of things well, kind of like a Draymond Green-esh type of player, which I, I, 
coming into the draft, I didn't really think he was that. Even though I projected him to be a first rounder in my mock draft, I just didn't. I just didn't want the Celtics to go after a guy like that. I just thought you got a guy similar to that, which you're paying, and he, he so far he hasn't panned out. Which is Gershon, Gershon Yabaselli, similar similar uh, player, but I think this guy might be what Gershon isn't. So. I mean, obviously, Gershon's got one year to probably show that show his worth. But if not, then you got Grant Williams, and I think Grant Williams could stick. I think he's going to be a productive player in this league one way or the other. He just needs an opportunity. Um, and then same thing with the, uh, the first pick, Romeo Langford. I think, I mean, I was down on him. I, I, As you can see, you know what I thought of him. In you know previous episodes, I I just didn't see the explosiveness that with him, and I didn't really fall in love with him like I did with other prospects. But I mean, I think he's a solid player. You know, doesn't have great athleticism, but um, like he knows how to score. Like he, you know, he's like Paul Pierce in that sense. He knows how to score. Um, just has a knack for scoring. Has a knack to getting where he needs to get to. Has enough quickness to get by people. I think the spacing in the NBA could could benefit him, where he can probably kind of util, you know utilize his you know IQ and basketball IQ to to get by people like Paul Pierce did in all those years. So, I mean, as I would say, any any guy that's not really athletic, um. Like, watch a bunch of Paul Pierce uh, film, and you'll you'll find a way to to benefit your your limitations to be a solid scorer in, in the NBA. I think Paul Pierce was probably probably the catalyst for that, and I think Romeo Langford could learn a lot from even Tatum on the roster. Tate, I don't look at Tatum as like an elite, elite athletic guy, but. I mean, he uses his length well, uses his body well, as well as his basketball IQ and his footwork and and floor floor game to really um, dominate you, you know, on the offensive end. And he also has got a, a great skill skill set to go with it. So it all it all everything comes into play when it comes down to that. I think Romeo Langford can definitely learn a lot from Tatum, and I think they're similar in their in their um, demeanors. They're pretty laid back and and shy type of guys so that could um that could be a nice nice fit for this team i mean there's a lot of laid-back type of guys on this team um some of them i felt like kind of kind of didn't benefit them this past year because i felt like this team had lacked the leadership uh had leadership issues at times I mean, you need a guy that's going to be a little bit more assertive out there, but I think he's he's going to, you know, he's going to do what he does well, which is score, and that's going to be an asset to the team later on and, you know, as he develops. But, uh, I mean, like I said, I, I, those picks were pretty sound picks. I mean, I'm, I wasn't, like, jumping out my seat cheering until I found out that my guy in the second round got picked. Um, at 33, uh, Car- uh, Celtics pick Carson Edwards, which you all know I was high on. I was high on that pick. So I'm glad they were able to pick him later than I thought, but 
they eventually picked him. And that's going to be probably their best pick end of the day. I think he'll definitely, you know, he definitely stands out with his scoring ability and his and his aggressiveness and his um, his outright ability to make the big play in, in the big moment. Like he's gonna he's gonna shine. I think he'll be the prototype six man in this league. Um, so I mean, I, like I said, whoever the Celtics do sign, which obviously we, we have an idea what they sign. Obviously, I'll get into that later on in the show um, with the, with the, obviously the big news today. But or potential big news is not official yet. But like I said, Carson Edwards could definitely, you know, come in off the bench and just flat out be a scorer. You know, I think that's huge for this team. I never, I don't think they really, really have that in previous benches that had a flat out automatic score. Like he can, he could really fit that role to a T, and they definitely do need that, or just shooting in general. Just an automatic scorer type shooter type, and he can he can really dominate in that aspect for sure. And I know that's what he'll be able to do right away. That will definitely it should translate. Obviously, he has to get used to the speed and quickness of the NBA, and obviously he's, he has size limitations because he's an undersized uh, two guard. But you know, who knows what if he can play point guard in the next level? But I mean, obviously he's. He can handle the ball, which that's that's gonna help. But just he's still, but he's very athletic. So I'm not. I, like I said, I really don't worry about it as much as a lot of people, other people do, because his athleticism really benefit. His uh, athleticism is gonna basically um, is gonna overrule all that. End of the day. So. So I, I I feel that the Celtics got a solid draft, and then they also got Tremont Waters later on in the second round at 51. So I thought they got a solid draft overall. I mean, they did pick all their picks, which I didn't think that was going to happen, but they did. And then as far as, like, the rest of the league goes, uh, a few picks that sticked out to me, Marie um, Hachimura going to the Wizards at number nine. I thought that was a... Um, a nice fit for the war for the excuse me the Wizards because um, Wizards just have they need a guy that's like a star type of player. They got John Wall, which is obviously going to be hurt. You don't know when he's going to come back next year, and they got Bradley Beal. So now you got like a more of a up a front court star that can kind of play a three four um, position for you. I mean, you got rid of Otto Porter, so, I mean, now that guy can kind of slide in there and be a starter for you right away. And I just think that's a good uh, good move for the Wizards. I think they needed a guy like that that can kind of give the, um, the, the team some energy, and he's definitely going to be able to do that. Also, he's got an international flair to it as he is probably going to be the most popular player in Japan, and he's going to get a lot of... You know, a lot of hoopla, a lot of coverage from you know the Japanese media covering him. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a, a, some energy that they probably you know don't use are not used to having in Washington. A lot of extra attention on the team. So I think that was a good uh, a good pick. And then also uh, I liked what the Hawks did with uh, getting those two uh, swingmen, uh, DeAndre Hunter and, and, and Cam Reddish. 
So now you got Trey Young, now you got John Collins, and now you got a couple of swingmen to match those guys up with, along with Kevin Herter. You got a nice little core. Going, I mean, you got you, you got a nice little core to to look up to in the upcoming years. Got some athleticism as well as shooting. It, I mean, sky's the limit for the Atlanta Hawks. All it is is just, you know, getting, getting yourself, um, getting some experience, getting the reps up for those young guys. Um, they also made a move as well. Um, they end up trading uh, Kent Bazemore to the Blazers for Evan Turner. So that happened like after the draft, a couple of days after the draft. So, so Evan Turner is now a Hawk. So that could be a nice little uh, move for them to kind of give the, the those young guys a, a veteran they can look up to that can give them some advice. Evan Turner's played a lot of basketball in this league. So, but far far as I know, I feel like the Blazers made a a, a strong move to help their bench, to bolster their bench, give their bench a little bit more scoring. And I think Kent Bazemore is a pure scorer that can come off the bench and kind of do a lot of that for you. So I like that move more for the Blazers than the Hawks. But it's more of a just kind of a just maybe a salary dump, I guess, because I think Kent Bazemore is making a lot of money. I'm not 100% sure what his salary is, but as far as I know, it looked like a salary dump. To or Evan Turner was a excuse me Evan Turner was a salary dump because Evan Turner is making a lot of money. I think he's making like 16 million, 17 million a year. So for the Hawks, I don't know exactly why that even works for them, but oh, I know how it works for the Blazers. And it works pretty well for the Blazers. It was somewhat of a salary dump for the Blazers. But moving on, as far as like bad fits go, or even like reaches in the draft, I would say. Uh, Cam Johnson from North Carolina, he he got drafted by the Suns. That was a huge reach at 11. So it's like, I know Cam Johnson is a very good shooter, probably one of the better shooters in the draft, but you didn't have to get him at number 11. I know that was maybe the the second pick the Suns had or the third that they had in the first round or the highest pick they had in the first round. So they was trying to get someone that was going to, I don't know. I don't know what they're really thinking with that. I just think Cam Johnson's not. I mean, there's plenty of guys at that at that spot that you could have got that had a little bit more value. And we all talked about how the value is kind of even in that area of the draft. But I just felt like it was kind of a reach. You could have got something a little bit more valuable at number 11. I think there was some pretty strong players available. Obviously, Langford was available. Obviously, a bunch of other scorers were available at that, you know, you want more of a pure scorer, not just a one-dimensional guy, you know, when you're picking in the lottery. So, and that's how, that's what we look at Cam Johnson. He's pretty much a one-dimensional guy. He's a pick and pop guy. He can, he can stretch the floor. He's a stretch big, or he can probably play a little bit of the three position in the league, but that's about it. He's a one-dimensional guy. And that's probably what you expect out of him in the, in the league. And then obviously another reach would probably be uh, uh, Choma Okuke. I always have an issue of saying this. Choma Okuke from Auburn. Um, the Magic picked him at 16. So, I mean, uh, this guy's going to be hurt most of the year coming into this year. Uh, obviously, he got hurt in the tournament. Um, 
Levy tore his ACL, I believe. I'm not 100% sure on that, but I believe it was some type of leg injury. And he's going to be out for a good while. So people were uh, expecting him to get drafted in the second round because of that injury. But Magic liked him a lot, and they kind of reached for him. He's a good player. He's a solid player. I'm not saying he's not a not a, not a first-round caliber player. Talent-wise, if he didn't get hurt, he probably would have been a first-round uh, talent. He would have been picked in the first round, but because of the injury, it's kind of a reach to get him at 16. I mean, he had a lot of other good players there. And like I said, it was like speaking of players that really had uh, rough nights, I mean, Bull Bull, uh, he dropped a lot and he dropped all the way in the in the second mid second round. He didn't get picked to 45 and then end up getting traded to the Denver Nuggets. So, I mean, that's a guy that's probably not going to play next year at all. I mean, with that deep roster, and then you have. Um, Nazir Little, I didn't expect him to drop as much as he did. He dropped to like 25th to the um, Portland Trailblazers. So, I mean, that, like I said, Portland Trailblazers helped themselves out. They got Kent Bazemore. They also got Nazir Little that fell to him at 25. So, they lucked out with that. I think Nazir Little is perfect for that team. He's gonna, he doesn't have to do that much. All he has to do is just be athletic, run in transition, and be a factor defensively. And you're probably going to do well playing with, you know, Dame Lillard and, and T.J. McCullough, right? that team that went to, went to these Western Conference Finals last year. You, There's not much you got to really do. So it's a good role for him starting out in the league. All right, so in the next segment, we're going to get into the big news. Um, rumors are, are roaring really hard. Uh, Adrian Wojnarowski just reported early on in the day today that Kimball Walker is most likely heading to the Celtics. So it's a lot of dynamics I want to discuss about that. Um, how how would that benefit, you know, obviously Ainge is in win-now mode, but how is it going to benefit the structure that you have now with the young guys with, you know, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown? How is that going to affect them? Obviously, you're pretty much bringing in a similar player than what Kyrie Irving was, um, you know, with his, you know, obviously his style of play. So how is that going to benefit? Is that going to, and plus you got a huge hole at center and that's going to take up, you know, potentially he's, you know, he's going to be making max money. It's going to be a max money contract. So you pretty much would be capped out at, after you sign him. So how are they going to, how are they going to uh, address the huge hole at center? So we're going to get into that in the next segment. Uh, we'll be right back. Listen to the Rims and Nets podcast.